Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, October 17th, 2019, two weeks removed from Halloween. We're actually going to have a Halloween special that I was uh, not aware of until uh, just moments ago when I was looking at the calendar and realized Halloween was on a Thursday. Uh, Not a big deal. I don't like Halloween. I don't care about Halloween. You guys know that. I think it's a stupid holiday. It it's not a holiday. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why it became a holiday in the first place and why it's uh, recognized. I I don't understand it. I'm not into the spooky season um, whatsoever. Not a fan of the weather though. Today is pretty comfortable. Today is uh, pretty nice. I will I will uh, admit that. But I'm not a fan of fall or autumn in whatever you want to call it in general. It's not my season. Um, I prefer the climate that is hotter than the seventh layer because I'm just, that's just that's just who I am that's just my preference I prefer the warmer weather so October the colder it gets the worse it gets uh for me specifically though I'm not as strongly against winter as I am with fall ironically even though it's colder in the winter obviously I just I, I don't like the fall season I don't and part of it is because of Halloween because I hate it so much and I'm going on this this rant already, right out of the gates, uh, with, you know, on, on my beef with fall and Halloween. So we have that to look forward to in uh, two weeks. Maybe the more one of the more ranty episodes of the Crowd Noise podcast uh, in in two weeks' time. But for now, we have an exciting show today. I was unaware, and maybe you were as well. The NBA season starts in less than one week. I was so locked in on football, and specifically my fantasy team as well, trying to create a championship run, uh, hopefully. I was locked in on football. I knew basketball was coming around the corner eventually. I mean, it was going to happen this year, but kind of just putting it off, you know, brushing it aside. Yeah, it's coming around, but it's we, we got some time. It's, it starts next Thursday, excuse me, Wednesday. It starts in less than one week. Where in the world did that come from? So we have basketball on the show today, and not just speculation, rumors, trades, like actual games, predictions. The regular season, it's starting. And I knew even during preseason was going on for the past uh, week and a half. I still felt like I had two or three weeks until the season started. No, not uh, nearly as much time. So we will have our complete playoff seating, playoff bracket, finals predictions. We're doing all of that right now because by the time the next episode rolls around, which would be October 24th, the season would have already started. Yes, it's only one day, but anything can happen in one day. A lot can change, and I like to get in my predictions. I'm an early adopter. I like to get them in before the season starts. I don't care if it's a day after or the day of. It doesn't count. You got to get them in. Um, before this season. So we're doing that today. So we have that. I'm kind of unprepared. If I'm being honest with you, I made this bracket last night. It's probably going to be awful. I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. I made it last night within the span of like 10 minutes. Did not put much thought. I did put some thought, but not maybe as much thought as you pro- as I probably should have. Uh, but it's it's a bracket that I am going to share with you this afternoon. So we have that to look forward to. Um, 
later on in the Crowd Noise podcast. In the meantime, what we're looking forward to right now, we have our weekly football picks that we do all the time. Tons of fun. Killing it in college. Getting killed in the NFL. It's not working out for me. But I have to share a little story with you. A slight anecdote, if you will. On top of the 14 other anecdotes that I just uh, spewed on the top of the show. Near catastrophe. I am not one to shut down my MacBook. Which I know is probably not the wisest thing in the world to do already. Like You, sh- you probably should just shut it down save your files and then turn off your computer. Don't just put it into sleep, but you should take care of your equipment. But I don't because I'm an idiot. Um, I do not turn off my, my laptop. I never do. I just, once I'm done with the show and I'm done making my notes, I just close it. And then I, I I move on to the next week. Uh, well last week, since you know, and of course your, your battery, it's not good for your battery, uh, deteriorates more and more. It, It, even though you're not using it, the battery percentage will go down. Um, last week I was like at 20% or whatever doing this show, like during the show. And so I said, okay, next week I'll have to charge it before I do uh, the show being today. And so I charged it. I plugged it in. It was charging fine. The laptop is fine. I didn't destroy a, an $1,800 piece of equipment. It, it's still running. Um, where the catastrophe, catastrophe comes in is I open it and it did not wake up. And I said, oh no, it had, the battery had died in between last week to this morning. Uh, wow. So I charged it. It was running fine. So it, it turned on, which was kind of new for me. Cause I don't think I've turned on my laptop since I've gotten it. But since the battery died, it, it had no choice but to shut down, uh, put in my little password or whatever, opened it up, went to word and my files, my notes from last week were gone. Now, why is that a big deal? Because I don't have, because I never shut it down. Um, I never save my notes either to the computer. I just delete the last week's information and then add on whatever we're going to do this week. And why that's important, I'm getting to the point here soon enough, is I have my record for college football and for the NFL football on those files that I did not save and that were deleted. So I started today and I had lost my the record for our the pick the games that we've picked over the course of the season. So slight catastrophe. Long story short, I had to go listen to the Crowd Noise podcast last week to find our record. And while that may seem anticlimactic, um it is because all it took I just wanted to, it was a a moment of of sheer panic. And that's all it was. It was literally just a moment that I was panicking. And all told, it probably took like less than two minutes for me to go find our record from last week and then do the math from, you know, the picks that we made. Because I always remember that there's only six games total, three in college, three in the NFL. So I always remember, um, you know, what games I picked and my record was. So I just had to add it on top of that. So um, long, unnecessary story aside, we do have the record is intact. We do have it this week. Uh, I'm going to start saving and shutting down my computer uh, in the future so this does not happen again. But catastrophe averted for the Crowd Noise Podcast. So what is our record for the college football season, you may ask? Well, we are on a 12-game win streak, and we are on fire 
in college football. I mean, I'm red hot, white hot. Could not be any hotter in the college football picks this season. Bring in our total. We are on a 12-game win streak. And our total now, our record on the season is now 18-3. and We are 18-3 and picking games in college football this year. We're on a tear. We are on a tear right now. On fire. The same cannot be said for the NFL, but I'd rather be dominant in one sport, pick, like picking one, one sport, and then just bad in another one, than be mediocre in, in two sports. Because then that just says, well, I'm having a bad year in one, and I'm on fire in the other, if you're dominant in one and bad in the other one. But if you're mediocre in both, that just means you're a bad picker altogether. Because if you're if you don't have a good record in either one, that shows well you're not very good, and you don't have very good luck either. I'd rather have what I have currently and be dominant in one and then not so great in the other one. So uh, it's been a fantastic year picking college games. Went three and zero last week. I kind of remember who I picked. I know I went three and zero for a fact. I know that absolutely. I think we had Penn State, right? Or no? I don't remember. I know we had. We went 3-0 last week. Take my word for it. If you don't, go back and listen to last week's uh, episode. We did go 3-0, though. I know that for a a fact. I just don't remember what game. And that's another thing, too. I keep the games from the previous week on there because, again, I don't ever shut down the laptop. So that it's, it's the same document from the previous week. So that way I remember who I'm picking or who I picked and if the games were or the picks were correct or not. But it was... Uh, three and zero oh. because I listened to the, I had to listen to the episode last week, but I just, I didn't write it down on this week's Word document because I was kind of in a hurry. But anyway, ten minutes in, we're finally getting to the picks for this week, and here we go. I feel like this should be another three and zero oh week. The past two weeks I've said this could be pretty tough. The streak might end. I feel pretty confident about this week. There's not really any blockbuster games, which may be a good thing. Oh, we picked Texas Oklahoma. Had Oklahoma in that one. That was one. LSU Florida had LSU in that one. And the other one was another ranked game. I think it was like a Penn State. Yeah, Penn State, Iowa. Yeah, and then we had Penn State. So we went 3 0 last week. Um, so there's no games like that where there's like really super competitive where it's a coin toss game. These are all pretty, pretty comfortable games, I feel. So game number one, we have number 16, Michigan. At number seven, Penn State. In Happy Valley. Now Michigan won, and again, this threw off my whole it throws off my whole kind of spiel because I remember last week's games because I have them um right in front of me. This week I do not. Um but the last time we picked Michigan, we picked them against uh Iowa. And I think I believe that was two weeks ago. Um they beat Iowa not handily, and they weren't very impressive in that game, but they did beat Iowa. Michigan is not a very good team. Hashtag analysis. They are not amongst the upper echelon of teams in the Big Ten, especially when you consider Ohio State, you consider Penn State, Wisconsin, even Iowa. I mean, they play, they beat Iowa, but I wasn't, I didn't leave that game convinced that they were a better team than the Hawkeyes. Just on that day specifically, they happened to outscore Iowa, but I believe, I think it was 10 7 the final score, something like that. Penn State is for real, and maybe the quietest team in the country. Well, everyone is talking about. Alabama, Clemson, LSU, the, I mean, those teams, 
uh, you know, well-deserved. Penn State is undefeated, and they're number seven in the nation. And maybe this is the game where they start to get some national notoriety because even though Michigan's not very good, um, they are ranked in the top 25, and they are Michigan. Michigan is a big-name program, and there's a reason why we still talk about them. Because they're not very good, but we still talk about Michigan because it's Jim Harbaugh, it's the maize and blue, it's a big house. You know, it, They're a traditional power in college football. Taking Penn State, running away in this game at home. They can score the ball, they play great defense. Michigan does neither of those things. I think this is going to be a blowout, quite frankly. And the seat under Jim Harbaugh gets ever so hotter heading into the offseason. Now, the second game. This one's a little bit tougher, I feel. Number 12, Oregon. And number 25, Washington. That game is in Seattle. Uh, Oregon was probably the Pac-12's one and only hope to get into the college football playoff this year. They're not getting in. The Pac-12, it, neither is is going to have a representative uh, in, in the college football playoff. Uh, things got to change in the Pac-12. You know, there has to be better programs out in the West. Now, besides that point, Oregon is a good team, though they're not a great team. I would say they're rather inconsistent and a little bit streaky. There's some games where they come in and they look like the highest scoring offense in the country. They look like what the Oregon Ducks are supposed to look like. And then other weeks they come out just kind of flat. They're not nearly as inconsistent as USC uh, in the Pac-12, but they are kind of streaky like, there's some games where they just explode, and then other games where they kind of disappoint. Like, USC comes in where they play well, and then other games where they look like they couldn't beat a group of five team. Like, they look terrible on, on, on some days. Uh, Oregon is not that streaky. But they do have their days and games where they don't play uh, nearly as well. Um, they play on the road in Seattle. This is a, a rivalry game uh, in the Pac-12 Oregon and Washington. Now, Washington started off really good and maybe looked like they were better than Oregon for a little while with Jacob Eason. They look really strong, but they too have kind of cooled off. And they're not like Oregon where they're just inconsistent. Like they just, they have cooled off. They're not playing nearly as well um, as they did to start the season. And that's gone on over the course of about three or four weeks now uh, for the Huskies. I'm actually going to take Oregon because of the upside here. I'm taking a little bit of a fantasy approach to this game. You have guys in, in fantasy who are the boomer bust guys, right? And you're, you know every time you're starting them, you're taking a huge risk. But there's also a, a, a um, chance for reward. That's how I'm playing Oregon this week. I'm putting them in the starting lineup. I'm taking Oregon to win. There is a chance, a risk that they're just going to come out flat. And they could get beaten handily on the road by Washington, who has a very good team. But I am taking the risk, or the chance rather, uh, that they're going to show up and that they're going to score 50 points on the road. Because it can happen. Oregon can either score 20, which is a good number, but for Oregon, especially in the Pac-12, you know, that's not going to really win you many games. And then, or there's other days where they can show up and Justin Herbert can look like Dan Marino and then they score 60 in the first half. I'm betting that that happens for Oregon this week. I'm taking the risk with the Ducks on the road. And finally, a ranked... A top 10 team against an unranked team. Now, you might be saying, wow, the cheese fest of the week. And it is. It is because it's number five, Oklahoma, at home against unranked West Virginia. But this game, I will warn you, will be closer than the experts 
think. This will be a somewhat of a trap game for Oklahoma. This has the potential to be a monster upset in college football. We haven't had, we've only had one. Last week, Georgia lost in double overtime. We finally had our one huge upset in college football. That is not nearly enough for college football. Now, now I'm not going to pick West Virginia because I'm not that big of a madman. I am going to take Oklahoma at home, but this will be a close game. It will be a very tough, very close game for Oklahoma, a big scare for the Sooners and for the Big 12, I will add, because now Texas is officially eliminated after losing last week to Oklahoma. This is the Big Big 12's one chance to get into the playoff uh, are the Oklahoma Sooners. So if they were to lose at home to West Virginia, we're going to have some problems in the college football playoff landscape. Or maybe not even, we might not even have those problems because if you consider Penn State would likely have won um, this Saturday against Michigan, they would probably jump, they'd probably get that number five spot. LSU, I expect to win this week and continue to win uh, until they meet like Georgia or Alabama. And then we'll we'll see how things uh, shake up at that point. And I would say LSU probably can beat Alabama. I don't know if they will, but they have the talent. Um, it would call, it would destroy the Big 12, really. And you have two conferences who would not be represented in the college football playoff, being the Big 12 and being the Pac-12. Um, so this, this could be potentially a conference destroyer and a playoff destroyer uh, for the Oklahoma Sooners. I think they'll win, but it's going to be a very close game, I suspect. And the last time I said that, the last time I said closer than the experts think, North Carolina almost beat Clemson at home so uh this is definitely a game worth watching this weekend so there are your picks for college football you have Penn State Oregon and Oklahoma now on to the NFL and it has been a struggle in the NFL picking games went one and two again last week I thought we had a winning week last week and we did not I do remember vividly who we picked last week we had the pass on Thursday night that was a gimme I mean that was that was a gimme. It couldn't have been. That's probably the easiest game I will pick um, all year long. And I will say this: as far as picking easy games, I don't. In the NFL, I pick the toughest and the quote unquote the best games coming up in the weekend. Like the Jets play the Patriots this week, I could easily pick that and just cheese my way to three and zero. But I don't because I always challenge myself and I try to give you, the listener, the best possible content that I could possibly give other than me not doing the show, the best content that I can do. Because if I was giving you the best content possible, I would probably hand over the reins to literally anybody else, and it'd probably be better. But then I'd be out of a job. So I am giving you the best possible content that I can deliver. I do not pick the cheese games. If there's a cheese game on Thursday night, which there probably will because Thursday night is terrible, and it's a dumpster fire. That's not on me. But we do pick the Thursday night games because we have an episode every single Thursday, as you may be uh, aware of. Tonight is sort of a cheese game. It's not a very intriguing game to watch nor to pick. It's the Chiefs uh, in Denver against the Broncos. It's a divisional game. The Broncos are not terrible, but they're not very good. Um, The Chiefs are kind of slumping right now. They've lost two straight at home. Mahomes is kind of banged up. He's tweaked his ankle. There, it's it's not the prime time cheat like last year's Monday night game, the Rams and the Chiefs. That is not this. It's not what we're getting. Even if Mahomes is at full strength, 
and he was just flying up and down the field like he was last year. And it was, it's just the showtime Mahomes and, and the Chiefs are just going up and down. They're playing the Broncos, who are maybe the most boring team in the NFL. They're not the worst team. They're definitely not the worst team. I would actually say right now, the worst team in the NFL, and it may surprise you, are the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're the absolute worst team in the league. I think they're worse than the Dolphins, if I'm being quite honest. The Broncos are not nearly that bad, but they are irrelevant. They are very boring. I'm not going to watch this game. Um, so it doesn't make it very interesting to pick um, or to watch. And I've always said protesters in football do not watch these games because the only way the NFL is going to get rid of them is if you do not watch. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs on the road. They've kind of, like I said, they've been struggling specifically uh, in the air. Mahomes has not been at full strength. And everyone's blaming the defense. Everyone's saying, well, the Chiefs' defense can't get off the field. They're forcing their offense to score and they're just putting themselves in bad scenarios. I actually blame the running game. I think the biggest problem with the Chiefs right now is not the defense, because their defense was not good last year. Remember, the Chiefs were like, they, they were a glass cannon. They had no way of stopping anyone, and they put all the weight on Mahomes' shoulders to just outscore everyone, and they did that often last season. The only time they didn't was really their two biggest games against the Rams on Monday night and against the Patriots in the playoffs. Though I have my reservations about that game, Though that's an argument for another day. Their defense has never been good in Kansas City during the Mahomes era. The problem is they have no balance and they have no threat in the running game. Damian Williams has been disappointed, disappointing uh, and he's been hurt. He, he was hurt to start the year. Not week one, but I think weeks two through four, I want to say, did not play. LaShawn McCoy, blank. Uh, Darryl, Darwin Thompson, who fell off the face of the planet, one of the biggest fantasy sleepers going into this season. We have not heard from him once this year. It's been Daryl Williams that has been the bigger uh, or the better backup, I should say, in Kansas City. But neither of those guys, or no one of that trio, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, or LaShawn McCoy, has been effective in any capacity. And what's the difference between this year and last year? Last year, the Chiefs had Kareem Hunt. He is no longer on the Chiefs, obviously, currently on the Browns. And I think that's the biggest problem with this team. There is no threat out of the backfield. So teams just do not respect the Chiefs' Chiefs ability to run the football or even to throw the football to the running back. And that kind of clogs things up for Tyreek Hill. He has been hurt. He had a good day last week, but he has been hurt for the majority of the season thus far. Um, I think that will definitely help the passing game. For sure, that's going to help the Chiefs. But it's not the same threat without a legitimate running back for Kansas City. I think they'll win tonight. They're good enough to beat the Broncos. But going forward, um, they, they have some problems with the running back position. Do not be surprised if they make a blockbuster move or just a move to bring in a running back at the deadline because the guys they have currently are just not cutting it. Now, on to the second game uh, this week. I know that took a while, but I wanted I wanted to expand on the Chiefs because a lot of people are surprised and confused as to why they're not as dominant as they were last year. Everyone's pointing to the defense. I say their defense wasn't good last year. It, I think it's actually better than it was last year. The problem is they don't have a running game. And they have no balance on the field whatsoever. I think that's the biggest problem. So on to the second game. Saints at the Bears. The Saints were my pick to win the Super Bowl. 
and they lose Drew Brees, and everyone jumps off the bandwagon. Everyone says it's over. I did not say, I did not completely and entirely sell stock on the Saints. Obviously, if you lose a Hall of Fame quarterback, for however many weeks it may be, you're not going to be as good as if you did have your Hall of Fame quarterback. But the Saints have not skipped the beat. They've only had one loss on the season thus far. And even still, they're not as dangerous as they would be with Drew Brees. They're still not as good as they would be if they had Drew Brees. And they've been dominant without him to this point. I think if there's anyone in the NFC you can put your faith in as far as getting to the Super Bowl and potentially winning it, I would say it's the New Orleans Saints. That would be my pick still because they're doing all this damage without Drew Brees. You can only imagine what they're going to look like when they get him back. Teddy Bridgewater has been increasingly um, better. Week to week, he's, he's improved. And that's going to happen, obviously. You have more weeks um, worth of practice. You have more weeks worth of game experience. Now, this isn't the first time ever Teddy Bridgewater has started, but it is the first time he has had the full reins of the New Orleans Saints franchise uh, since arriving in New Orleans. And he's gotten better. Each week, he's, he's been much improved Takes on an extremely tough defense uh, in Chicago uh, this week against the Bears. I don't think that will completely stifle the offense. It'll slow them down because, I mean, the Bears have a fantastic defense. But I don't think this is going to shut down the Saints. I'm actually taking the Saints uh, at home. Excuse me, on the road this week against the Chicago Bears. And the Chicago Bears, can they score with the Saints, period? Because eventually, they're going to have to score points. And I don't know if the Chicago Bears are, are, are capable of doing that, uh, even in the capacity of the Saints without Drew Brees. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to uh, score enough points with the Saints. They're going to have to score at least 14, two touchdowns, at, at least, I would assume, uh, if they, if they want to beat the Saints. I don't know if they're capable of doing that. I'll take the Saints on the road. Now, finally, Sunday night. It's the third game um, uh, that we're picking. It's the third and final game that we're picking this week in the NFL. The Eagles and the Cowboys. Two teams who have been both bitterly disappointing for different reasons. Uh, every time the Eagles have been on the show, I've picked them to win. And I think they've only I think they've lost every time. I think every time I've picked the Eagles to win this year, they've lost. Uh, and the Cowboys have been extremely disappointing because they've lost three in a row after starting 3-0. and Again, really, honestly, you could say three games that they probably should have won. They played the Saints without Drew Brees, though the Saints are pretty good. Um, they lose to the Packers without without Devontae Adams, and they lose last week to the Jets. So, it you know, the Jets at full strength may still not even be a fully functioning NFL team, and that's who you lost to uh, last week for the Dallas Cowboys. So they've been extremely disappointing. I don't care if they were missing Amari Cooper and their two starting tackles. They're playing the Jets. There's no excuses. They lose that game. Um, they've been disappointing, as have the Eagles. I picked them to win the division, and I picked the Cowboys to get into the wild card. And right now, neither of those teams look like they might live up to that expectation. The Giants are only one game back of both of these teams. I just want to throw that out there. The New York football Giants are only one game back of the division lead currently. That's how bad it's gotten in the NFC East. And things might start to get worse for the Dallas Cowboys. Jason Garrett is probably has the hottest seat in the NFL currently, I would say. Um, losing three straight, 
did not get receive an extension uh, in the offseason. You hear rumblings about maybe Lincoln Riley. Maybe they promote Chris Richard. Uh, should Jason Garrett get fired? They've already lost three straight, the latest one being to the New York Jets. The Eagles have quite possibly the worst secondary in all of football. They've been torched by the Falcons, torched by the Packers, and last week they were torched again uh, by the Minnesota Vikings. Stephon Diggs had a career day. Um, so this looks like a positive matchup for the Dallas Cowboys. You're playing a team that's reeling and a team with a matchup that you can potentially exploit with Amari Cooper Michael Gallup. Should Amari Cooper be available to play? He says himself that he intends to play, says he feels good. I will take him at his word. Amari Cooper should be ready to go on Sunday. However, I am not. I did not buy into the Cowboys stock to, in the preseason. I'm not buying into stock now, especially you lose to the Jets. I think the team is starting to turn on Jason Garrett. We've all seen the gif of the whole the defensive unit just, I mean, walking straight past Jason Garrett like he was a scarecrow. Extends both hands for high fives. He gets none. I think the team is starting to uh, starting to uh, collapse in on itself a little bit. I think the Eagles are going to win on Sunday night. Things are going to get a little bit worse before they get better for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm taking the Eagles on Sunday night, which may be a good thing for Dallas because every time I've picked the Eagles to win, they've lost. So it, this might be a blessing in disguise for the Dallas Cowboys. And and I would say the record on the season so far is 7-11. and 11. It's not been great. So it might be a good... If I don't pick your team in the NFL, it might actually be a good thing for you. So maybe the Cowboys win after all. I don't think they will. I'm taking the Eagles this week, despite their troubles in the secondary. I think despite the problems that they've had, they've been torched week in and week out by the passing game. This looks like this would be the perfect bounce-back game for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott has struggled. The Cowboys' offense has struggled. It's only fair that they get a team that cannot defend the pass to get a nice game for Dak Prescott, get a win. Everyone loves Jason Garrett again. I don't think it's going to happen. Because the Eagles have, while they have, quite frankly, the worst passing offense in the league, they have what may be the best rush defense in the league. And the Cowboys' bread and butter, their number one go-to guy is Ezekiel Elliott. And I think if you take him out of the equation, which has happened over the course of the previous three weeks, the Cowboys start to struggle. Dak Prescott is good, but he is not the guy who's going to single-handedly win the game um, through the air. And I think that's what the Eagles are going to be counting on. They said that last week against the Vikings. They said, if we want anyone to have the ball, we want it to be Kirk Cousins. Well, Kirk Cousins torched you, and they ended up winning that game, did the Vikings. I don't think that's going to happen again this week with the Dallas Cowboys. I will take the Eagles. Now on to the National Basketball Association. Can you believe it? I mean, it's come out of, for me, it's come out of nowhere. It has completely blindsided me. Been all... All in on football, all in on my own personal fantasy team, which I know you don't care about, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk to you about it anyway. And the NBA is, it seems like a really long time ago that we were in June and July and we were talking about Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Previously, Anthony Davis is never going to the Lakers. And then all of a sudden, the season is here, starting on Wednesday next week. Unbelievable. Came out of nowhere. So today we have our, let's see here. NBA playoffs predictions. We're going to do one through eight for each conference. Then we're going to do our play, obviously our playoff bracket. Um, and then we're going to have our finals winner and champion prediction. So what a time it is. We do this for every single, every single league. 
uh, NFL, MLB, NBA, and college, NCAA, we, we always predict the playoff teams, the postseason teams, the champions before the season starts because they like to get them in there before anybody else because if we're right, we want to be the first ones. We're always the first ones to the show. Okay, that's, that's just who we are. We're early adopters here. So that's what we're going to do uh, right now. Starting with the West. Actually, you know what we should do? We should start with the East because the West is a little bit tricky. It's, I was looking at it last night and I had like 47 different brackets. That's a lie. I only had one because it only took me five minutes, but it was a very tough five minutes. It, I, it, it took me a few second guesses when assembling the Western Conference playoffs. The East, it took 30 seconds. Okay, it was, it was, it was extremely easy. There are only about three or four relevant teams in the Eastern Conference. Everyone after that, I mean, there, are, there could literally be teams with a losing record in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. It's that bad this year. So we're going to start with that because it's easy. We're going to work our way up from 8 to 1 because I think it's more uh, exciting and there's more tension that way if we go from 8 to 1 rather than 1 to 8. So, 8 seed in the playoffs. May surprise you, may shock you, it may even horrify you. Number 8, the Orlando Magic. It's a bad conference. The Eastern Conference is not very good. I'm going to be honest. You're, you're, you're sitting back in your seat right now. You may have even turned off the podcast by hearing the Orlando Magic. But they did make the playoffs last year. They bring in Markel Fultz, who I'm a very big fan of. I think he's going to turn things around. He will be a good player. I've said it way in it. That I've said since last season. He's been hurt. No one gave this guy a chance. Markel Fultz goes to the Magic. Has plenty of time to recuperate and recover. The Magic are going to be okay. They're going to make the playoffs in the East. In the East, sure, why not? Who, who, honestly, who would you argue is going to make the playoffs over the Orlando Magic? Really, who would you argue me over the Orlando Magic in the East? I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious. The Bulls? The Hornets? The Cavs? The Magic should make the playoffs. Okay, I mean, they should because the East is bad. Number seven, the Detroit Pistons. They had Derrick Rose, everyone's favorite prodigal son. Derrick Rose, the one guy who everyone loves for being injured, but yet everyone tears Markel Fultz to shreds for being hurt. I don't, uh, I don't understand the contrast there. But, say la vie, no one listens to me. The Pistons will make the playoffs. They made the, they made the playoffs last year. I'm a big fan of Andre Drummond, honestly. I think, he's one of the, I think he may be the best rebounder in basketball. I've said that before. He... Not the best center, not the best rim protector. Best rebounder in basketball right now, I would say, is Andre Drummond. And you could, you could throw your, your phone to the sky and say, this, the Crowd Noise podcast doesn't know what he's talking about. Look at the numbers. Andre Drummond, he can clean the glass. They'll make the playoffs. Why not? Who cares? Number six. Now, this one, this is where things start to get really interesting. These are the teams, the true teams in the Eastern Conference. Number six, the Boston Celtics. Now you may be saying again, I know these are going to outrage people because basketball fans are, they're pretty sensitive. Honestly, if you say teams are going to be a little bit underrated or you, you project them lower than what people think they may be, they go nuts. Just ask someone who's better Jordan or Jordan or LeBron. And I promise you, you're going to be sitting there with a conversation for the next three and a half weeks debating with, and you don't even have to say who's better. You can just ask someone who's better Jordan or LeBron and you're going to have madness will ensue. Basketball fans are kind of sensitive. I'm going to be a little bit honest here. They, there's some crazy debates and a little bit of sensitivity um, when you're talking basketball. So the Boston Celtics, number six. 
I was all in on Boston last year. They failed me bitterly. Even going into the postseason, as bad as they were during the regular season, I still stuck with the Celtics. That was a mistake. I'm not putting them here just because of what they did last year. I just don't think they're as talented as they were last year. That may be a good thing. It may be a good thing that they, that they don't have the negative media attention surrounding uh, the team and Brad Stevens. But when you look at the East, the top of the East is very good. You have teams like the Pistons and the Magic at the bottom, but at the top, it's hard for me to rank the Celtics above teams like the Bucks, the Sixers, uh, the Heat are much improved this year. And speaking of those Miami Heat, they come in at number five. I do think this is fine. This is the last chance for Jimmy Butler. It's the last stop and the last opportunity for him to prove that he's a franchise player. Everywhere he's been, he has destroyed franchises. He has literally ruined franchises in his wake. This is the last opportunity for him to prove he can be a franchise cornerstone. I think they'll be good enough to make the fifth seed in the East. They will be slightly, maybe two or three games better than the Boston Celtics. And here's why I think this will actually work for Jimmy Butler, because of Pat Riley. There's not going to be any nonsense under Pat Riley. And I think this... I think Jimmy Butler, this is finally a, a, an environment that he can actually thrive in that can, I guess you can say, mold his aggression and his tenacity. If anyone can do it, it's Pat Riley in the Miami Heat, one of the most well-run franchises in the NBA. And I, I, I think it's going to work for the Heat, not so much necessarily getting to maybe the conference finals or the NBA finals, but I do think they'll pull in at number five and, you know, they'll be a respectable team. Could potentially be better. I think they could be potentially three to five range. Could the Heat? I, I like the Heat this year. I think Jimmy Butler's finally found the one place he can succeed. And the one place that could um, manage, shall we say, Jimmy Butler the human being. So we go to number four now. The Brooklyn Nets. Crowd Noise Podcast favorite basketball team because I was way ahead of this one way ahead of this one said Kyrie and Kevin Durant could be on their way I said Kevin Durant number one and then I said why not Kyrie Irving as well if they both want to go to New York the Knicks why not just go across the street to Brooklyn who's actually a very good team already I was this is why we this is why we call ourselves early adopters this is why I call myself the psychic because I had this way in it I think I had this during the regular season of last year not just during the summer I think I had this going in the regular season the Brooklyn Nets were going to get Kevin Durant and potentially make it a combo with Kyrie Irving. They do not have Kevin Durant for this season, but they're still a very good team. They made the playoffs last year without Kyrie Irving and without DeAndre Jordan. They now add both of those players. I think they pull in at number four um, in the Eastern Conference and maybe potentially even a little bit higher than that. They could, they, I might have them a little bit underrated. And I think a lot of people are off on the Nets because of Kyrie Irving and the way things worked or rather didn't work in Boston, I would argue he never chose to go to Boston. Now, even though I get it, Boston was already a good team. Why would he not want to go to Boston in the Eastern Conference? How did he fail there? You can't just, I mean, some people just don't work with other people. That's life. It, 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 you can't just force people together in an environment and expect it to always work and for there to always be chemistry. Kyrie Irving is where he wants to be, and I think he will be a much improved player because he is in an environment that he feels comfortable in, and that he wants people he wants to be around. 
I don't think that can be um, oversold. I don't think you can overstate uh, that, that fact that Kyrie Irving is playing where he wants to be and who he wants to play with. So I think the Nets will be um, the fourth seed, may potentially even better. Number three, the Indiana Pacers. That may shock you, frighten you, and possibly even horrify you. The Indiana Pacers pulling in at number three in the East. This is going to be a this is going to be the Denver Nuggets of the East from last year. Remember the Denver Nuggets surprised everyone and they pulled in. I believe were the number two seed in the West last year. They were a very deep team. Uh, they had the Joker, but they didn't have a well. The Joker's a superstar, but they didn't have like Anthony Davis, LeBron, Damian Lillard. Like you know what I'm saying, like a an S-tier, number one franchise guy. And that's kind of what Indiana is this year. They're a very deep, well-balanced team without an S-tier superstar. And I think they could potentially pull in the number three seed this year. They will be very good. They get Victor Oladipo back, who is a star, but again, kind of like Jokic, not quite in the S-tier just yet, I would say, for Victor Oladipo. And the Joker, potentially maybe makes that leap into the S tier this year, but that remains to be seen. I think the Pacers will go in at number three. Number two, the Milwaukee Bucks fear the deer. I think there will be a slight regression from the Bucks this season. Now, I do, I've do. i said last year, I felt like James Harden should have been the MVP. I think they just gave it to Giannis because they didn't really... I think basketball is trying to send a message they don't want the isolation scores so much. I think that may hurt ratings which I don't agree with to begin with. I like to see James Harden get to cooking one-on-one. That's why you pay the price of admission. But, again, no one listens to me. Um, What I'm trying to say is I think there's going to be a regression uh, from Giannis Antetokounmpo. May not even have been the MVP last year, you could argue, because James Harden's numbers were up from the year prior where he won the MVP. He improved on those numbers and did not win it. Um, I think the Bucks actually will take a regression this year. They lose Malcolm Brogdon to the Indiana Pacers. Um, I think the Bucks, the Bucks will regress along with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And even still, they find themselves at number two. There will be a regression, though it is not the sky is falling kind of scenario. They go ahead into the number two seed. How can you get mad at that? So number one, the Philadelphia 76ers. I love myself. I love me some Joel Embiid. I do. He's a great player. I love me some Ben Simmons. I don't understand where people don't like Ben Simmons, and yet there's. it seems like Lonzo Ball is a fan favorite, but Ben Simmons is not. They're the same player. They're the same player. And I get there is a kind of stark contrast because I can't stand Lonzo Ball, you know this, and I like Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons is what the perception of Lonzo Ball is. The, what people think Lonzo Ball is, Ben Simmons actually is. He actually can spread the floor. He actually moves the ball. He actually plays real defense. And he's actually a franchise cornerstone is Ben Simmons. And he's been working on that three-point jumper. He's not going to be Stephen Curry, okay? He's not going to be Damian Lillard. But I think if he adds that weapon to his repertoire and just makes it respectable, if he has a respectable jumper, that changes a lot for Philly. That changes a lot because you can no longer double Joel Embiid. If Ben Simmons adds a respectable jump shot, which, I mean, it looks like he's been working very hard on it, you can no longer double Joel Embiid, and that just causes a nightmare uh, worth of matchups for, for um, any team facing Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia, this is finally the year where they really turn the corner. And, you know, Joel Embiid said he's going to start, 
I think the loss last year to Toronto, remember this, they took Toronto to Game 7 and nearly won that. It took that legendary shot from Kawhi Leonard falling out of the corner. It took like 78 bounces off the rim to go in. Philadelphia pushed them to seven games last year. I think that motivates Joel Embiid. It had, I think everyone's saying that Ben Simmons can't shoot has motivated him. They add Al Horford. I think the 76ers are going to be dangerous, dangerous in the East this year. I'll take them at number one. Now on to the Western Conference. And things are going to start to get a little bit tricky here. Things are going to get a little bit muddy in the Western Conference. Now, some people are going to be offended again because basketball fans are a little bit sensitive. I will say that. You know, I think baseball fans are the most toxic. Like Those, those are the most trash-talking fans. Um, but basketball, I think, is a little bit sensitive. And the fact that you're upset by me saying you're sensitive proves that you are, in fact, <clears throat> sensitive. So people are going to get upset at these. That's okay. I can take it, I think. But we're going to go ahead and go and we're going to go with what I have here anyway. People might get offended. People might be upset. People might say, I'm dumb. That has all happened in the past before anyway. So I'm not worried about the repercussions of these eight Western Conference teams. Things are going to get muddy here. They're, they're going to get tricky. And the Western Conference is a tricky conference. Conversely to the East, while there's, I mean, the Pistons and the Magic I have making the playoffs here, and they probably will. That's how bad the East is. You have teams like the Wizards, the Knicks, the Raptors are going to fall off a cliff. Uh, the Bulls, the Hawks will be, I mean, Trey Young had a great year last year. I don't think they're making the playoffs. You know, the Cavs and the Hornets. So, it, I mean, those are the teams in the East that are just, they're not making the playoffs. In the West, you have one, two, let's see, three, four, five teams that are just not making it. That's it. Out of uh, 15 teams in the West, only five are just like they're not making it. That's it. Ten teams are fighting for eight spots. Because you got to think, uh, the Spurs, they're not going anywhere. The Timberwolves, no, the Timberwolves are one of the five. They're not very good. Uh, the Warriors, now they're kind of on the bubble this year without Clay and KD. Uh, the Jazz, well, the Jazz are actually really good. But you have, I mean, the Kings, Dallas, are those teams that are going to be fighting you know, for the bottom, maybe the middle spots in the West. There are 10 teams in the West that can all make the playoffs and are all very good teams. The five that I don't really consider playoff teams, the Pelicans, I'm not buying into the high. They're, no, they're not making the playoffs. The Suns, I mean, you're not going to argue that one. The Wolves, the Thunder, and I think that's it. That might be four teams, actually. One, Thunder, Timberwolves, Suns, Nuggets, no, excuse me, Pelicans. Oh, and the Grizzlies, the other team, the Grizzlies. I was Because I'm looking at the, the preseason standings here, and the Grizzlies are actually 3-1. and one. Um, they're number three in the West. That will never happen again. So there's only five teams that are just not making the playoffs in the West. Everyone else is it could legitimately vie for a playoff spot. And here we go. Number eight. Things are going to start to get really frustrating for you. The Sacramento Kings. I think this is the year. The Kings have been much improved. They've gotten better each year that they've had De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he's, he's prime time. I love me some De'Aaron Fox. I think they make the playoffs this year. Very close to making it last year. I believe they finished, I want to say 10 or 11. They were right there. And then they kind of fell off because they got eliminated. So they were, I mean, fell off even further than they were uh, before. I'm actually taking the Kings to make the playoffs this year. Over the Dallas Mavericks. 
I, shocker, I'm actually taking the Kings over the Dallas Mavericks to make the playoffs. And this is where things get really frustrating. You're saying, how can Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Luka Doncic not make the playoffs over the Kings? It's not even so much that it's just the, the Kings themselves. It's everyone else in the West that you know are going to make it. Teams like the Clippers, the Rockets, the Blazers, the War. I think, well, subtract the Warriors because they're, they're not a shoo-in anymore. But you have the, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Jazz, the Rockets. It's like five teams already out of eight that are going to make the playoffs in any particular order. So you only have three teams. You only have three spots left for teams like the Warriors, uh, the Kings, the Mavericks, the Spurs. Uh, the, you know, there, there's just the Western Conference is way too deep this year. Ten teams can all make the playoffs, and there's only really three spots, like I said, that are open because I think five spots are already reserved for those teams at the top. Um, Number what are we okay? Number eight, the Sacramento Kings came very close last year. I like De'Aaron Fox. Um, they should give Buddy Hield uh, a, a deal. He's kind of he's upset with the front office right now, and he makes a good point. He says, "How many how many free agents go to Sacramento?" And he makes a very good point. When you're a small market team, it's not so much about building through free agency; it's about keeping what you have already and building through the draft. Um, I, the Kings got to sign him. He's not a superstar player, but he's, I mean, very good for the Kings, and they don't have very much behind him. Um, I think they'll actually make the playoffs at number eight. Number seven, this is where th- I'm telling you the Western Conference is going to frustrate a lot of people, uh, the Golden State Warriors. They're not going to be very good during the regular season. They're going to have Stephen Curry, who's one of the all-time greats, and then that's it. They're going to kind of get a taste of their own medicine here. They're not going to be able to throw waves of MB, of all NBA players at people like they normally do. They're not going to fall off a cliff because they have Steve Curry. He's too good of a coach. Stephen Curry's too good of a player. They will get Klay Thompson this season. He's going to be out for a while, but he will play this year. And Klay Thompson, one of the most durable players in the NBA, his body may recuperate even faster than what we anticipate. He may be back around February. Come All-Star break, and let's just say they're back I don't know. Let's say they're out of the playoffs when Clay comes back. Five games, six games, worst case scenario. You're telling me the Warriors with Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson can't make up five games going up against teams? Like maybe they knock out the Kings. I don't know. The Kings, uh, the Mavericks, uh, the Spurs. I think the Warriors will make up that gap. They'll come in at number seven. Uh, but they will struggle early on during the year because it's, it's, it's not going to be easy sledding uh, for Golden State this year. Number six, the Nuggets. Love the Joker, one of my favorite players. Maybe the most underrated, underappreciated player in all of basketball. I feel he is the best center in the league outside of Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is, of course, may not even considered um, a center anymore. Wants to play power forward. So maybe he is the best center in basketball at this point. I feel like he is a better, more more well-rounded player than Joel Embiid. That's my opinion. If I had to choose between... If I had to choose... Starting a franchise between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. I think I'm taking Nikola Jokic. A guy who knows how to handle the media a little bit better. Who is more durable, more versatile, can pass the ball. I I think it's a slight edge to Jokic over Embiid. It's my personal opinion. But I think the Nuggets as a whole are going to take a step backwards. The West is too good for them to repeat what they did last year. The West has gotten better. And I think... I, not so much that last year was a fluke. I'm not going to say that at all. But I think last year was a very good year for them. It's hard to repeat that kind of success. People don't understand and don't appreciate the dynasties we have in sports like 
the Spurs, the Patriots, the Lakers of yore. It, it's not easy to have these dynasties and repeat. The Warriors uh, re- most recently. Um, it's not easy to repeat these dynasties and have success year in and year out. I don't think people understand that enough. And I think the Nuggets will take a step backwards. Still at number six. Not a bad place to be. They will see number three seed. They could win that. I'm not going to spoil the number three seed. But there, it is a, a, uh, a, a team that they could handle. They, they'll probably lose, but I don't, I don't think they'll get swept. Anyway, number five. The Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I know you're tearing your hair out now calling me a LeBron hater and whatever the case may be, and I'm, I'm just bitter, whatever, because people just like to say words sometimes. Like, how would I be bitter about LeBron on the Lakers or Anthony Davis on the Lakers? That's where I wanted him to go the whole time. But here's, here's the truth for you. LeBron James teams, and I've said this year in and year out, not very good in the regular season, traditionally. Because there is a lot to carry emotional not even in basketball we're talking about off the court handling the media living in the locker room just dealing with social media there is a lot to carry when lebron james is your teammate there was a lot they tend to struggle out of the gate i think the and i'm not buying into the preseason hype everyone is all in on the lakers right now i love the lakers they're going to be the most exciting team in basketball this year i will say that right now they're going to be box office television but they're going to have the rough patches. It's a brand new team. They only return, excuse me, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, and Alex Caruso, and Rajon Rondo, and JaVale McGee. Actually, they're returning a bunch of players. But it's not, it's, for the most part, their cornerstone guys are Anthony Davis. Avery Bradley is going to have a big part of this team. Uh, Danny Green is new to this team. He will have a huge role. Like the number, the starting lineup mostly is going to be brand new. It's going to take a while to get this team rolling i guess you could say for the chemistry to really mesh i think they're going to struggle a little bit out of the gate they'll get things going come okay it's october now like november december like late mid november rolling into december they're going to be on fire they're going to hit a hot streak uh december late december going into january they're going to struggle and then lebron james's teams the all-star break is vital for lebron james the all-star break is maybe the most vital point of the season you get a whole week worth of rest and rejuvenation everyone gets to kind of reset their batteries recharge your batteries and i think the lakers will charge into march april um and then they'll probably start to rest guys or something like that once they know they're getting the playoffs april may and then they'll go into the playoff what i'm saying is they're going to struggle in spots this season it's not going to be seamless it's not going to be a seamless transition for the lakers i'm not saying they're going to be terrible I'm not saying they're missing the playoffs, but I do think as far as regular season record, there will be teams who have better success in you know to start off the season in December, January. I think uh, the Lakers will come in at number five, potentially number four. And maybe I am being a little bit harsh on them at number five. But when you look at the teams at the top four, it's hard to say the Lakers are going to be definitively better than those teams in the regular season. Because come playoff time, the Lakers are they're going to be dangerous because they're by that time they will have the chemistry. They'll get playoff LeBron. Anthony Davis has been a monster in the postseason throughout his career, so they're going to be pretty deadly uh, come May and June. Number four, the Houston Rockets. Now this is where things maybe I'm kind of being a little bit of a hypocrite here because I like the Lakers more than I like the Rockets. It's not going to work. I am not buying in, and and I. All the players I like, I'm kind of tearing down today a little bit, ironically. I love James Harden. 
I love James Harden. This is not going to work. It's just not going to work, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Two alphas, ball-dominant players. It, it's, it's, it's not going to work. It, it just isn't. You get two guys who have struggled traditionally, have struggled in the postseason, and you put them together and you expect them to work in the postseason. Not a great plan. Especially, I mean, it's, it's just not going to work. I don't see how I don't see how this can operate. How James Harden can now be you're going to turn him into Clay Thompson? Like who brings the ball up the court? I would assume Russell Westbrook brings the ball up the floor. What now becomes of James Harden? Like I get that we're you know he deter- the, a lot of people's arguments is well by the time he comes to the playoffs he's worn down cuz he has to carry them throughout the regular season. Okay. But isn't that what makes the Rockets so effective? Is James Harden creating in isolation? Like I said this a little bit earlier, people don't like James Harden in isolation players. I, I like it. I like James Harden a lot. I think he's probably one of the most dominant offensive forces in the game today outside of like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. But I mean, Kevin Durant's not playing this year. I just don't, I don't understand how this is going to work schematically. And vice versa, when James Harden has the ball, at least James Harden can shoot. I mean, he is a premier three-point shooter. Russell Westbrook is not. What happens when James Harden has the ball? What becomes of Russell Westbrook? I don't understand how this is going to work at all. Because James Harden is not Klay Thompson in the sense that he's an off-ball player. James Harden needs the ball to be effective. Whereas, and there's and no slide against either of those players. They both play to their strengths. Klay Thompson is an off-ball player, comes off the screens, moves behind the defense, catch and shoot. And he's one of the best, he's the best in the world at doing that. James Harden creates off the dribble. He needs the ball in his hands. He needs on-ball screens, I would, or not needs, but he, he thrives with off-ball screens. He ha- he's better with the ball in his hands. I don't understand how, where, he, where Houston succeeds. And I have them at number four. So again, this is where the sensitivity comes in. I don't think it's going to work in the playoffs, but I have them at the number four seed. You can wipe your tears off now. I mean, they're not going to be terrible, but I don't see how they're going to win an NBA championship or get out of the first round because, again, they have to play the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round, and Russell Westbrook traditionally has struggled with bigs uh, in the postseason. Need I remind you of Rudy Gobert? He's going to have, I mean, He's going to have to go up amongst the trees against the Lakers with Anthony Davis, uh, JaVale McGee. Their front court is one of the best. Uh, Dwight Howard as well. Forgot about him. Um, they're going to have bigs will the Lakers, and they're going to clog the lane. And, you know, maybe I don't, I don't see how it's going to work. Number three. I think we spent too much time on how the Rockets just aren't going to succeed. Let's move on. Number three, the Utah Jazz. They will win games this year. Kind of like, okay, how I feel the Nuggets will regress this season. That happened to the uh, the Jazz last season. Previously before, they had a great year. They, they were the ones who beat Russell Westbrook in the Thunder. They come back next season, being last year, and they struggled a little bit. They weren't nearly as dominant. And now I think they take a bounce. I think they take a step forward. I think the Jazz are much improved uh, via free agency. I think they will be a very good team. Uh, in the regular season, they have a great coach. They have a young star in Donovan Mitchell. Big fan of Donovan Mitchell because he can actually shoot. He can score from you know basically all three levels. Uh, can Donovan Mitchell? Um, they have Rudy Gobert. They're gonna. They're a very good team. I really like the Jazz a lot. 
this year. I think they will pull in at number three. And number two, this is where things are going to really start to infuriate people, the Portland Trail Blazers. I think they're really going to take a step forward this year. This is the year for the Portland Trail Blazers. Not to win the championship, but to get a decent seed. They're going to get number two in the Western Conference. I think they'll take a major leap forward with teams like the Lakers kind of struggling in spots. The Lakers will have their their rough patches. The Nuggets will take a step backward, I feel. The Rockets, I don't know how that's going to... And I think that's going to take a while to figure out in Houston why I have them at at, at number four. I think that's going to take a little while for them to figure out the Blazers should come in at number four. I'm all in on Damian Lillard this year. He should win the MVP. Now, that's not a prediction. Don't take that to the bank. Crowd noise is picking Damian Lillard to win the MVP. But I think if there's going to be any year for him to win MVP and really put the Blazers in the upper echelon of the NBA, it's going to be right now. Then you have the Warriors, who are going to be out of the equation for maybe two or three months uh, on top of all that, who have been the kryptonite for the Trail Blazers. I think Damian Lillard and the Blazers will take a big step forward this year. They will win games. And again, this is the regular season standings. This is where they're going to finish going into the playoffs. Doesn't mean I think they're the second best team in the league. It means I think they will have the second best record in the West. There is a big difference there. Uh, and number one, the LA Clippers need I say more. Um, while the Lakers have had all kinds of noise and attention, you haven't heard a word from the Clippers since signing Kawhi. You haven't. And as much as uh, I'm not a fan of the Clippers franchise and they're trying to make themselves look out to be like hard. I don't get why the Clippers are trying to get like street cred. Like they have these new uniforms that are like in the, the old English fonts as Los Angeles. Like they're trying to be like the Raiders of the NBA. Your owner is a Microsoft CEO, like a computer guy. And nothing against, Steve Ballmer's a billionaire. I'm not hating on that. But I, the Clippers are trying to build like street cred. There's the 2-1-3 thing with, with Kawhi 2 and then 13 Paul George. I don't understand it. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like they're trying to be like super hard, which doesn't make much sense. That marketing angle, I don't understand, really. I, I, I don't get it. But as far as being a basketball team, they're going to be great. I think they'll have the best record in the NBA. Finals favorites. Favorites to win the championship, uh, obviously. I, I don't think I'll have much of an argument there by having the Clippers at number one. So there are your Western Conference uh, playoff seedings. Um, this, it's, it's real tough. It's real. I hate leaving out. The Mavericks are probably the one team I feel bad leaving out. Because the Spurs, I think I think it's finally going to catch up to them. I think the West is a little bit too deep. Um, who else am I leaving out here? The Pelicans, I don't care about. They're not going to make it. Um, yeah, the Mavericks are really the only team. I'm looking at it right here. That's the only team where I feel bad. Like That's probably going to come back to bite me. Because they do have Luka, who I like a lot. Chris Depps, who I like a lot. Um... But I still feel like the Kings, I like De'Aaron Fox a little bit more. I think they're going to jump in there. And it's, it's, it's a really competitive Western Conference. I think and this, this, these eight teams, and maybe nine teams again, because you've got to consider Dallas, it can be in any given order. The Lakers could jump up to number two, and the Blazers could be number six. The Warriors could be number four in the conference. They could miss the playoffs. It could be too late by the time Clay comes, uh, comes around. The Rockets could be four. They could be two. They could also be seven. It, 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 there's just so much parity in the Western Conference right now. It's so competitive. It, it's, it's really hard. This is the best job that I could do. And I think, I think this is the best 
that I could have done. I feel pretty good about these eight. The one I'm kind of worried about are the Dallas Mavericks uh, and the Sacramento Kings. Now on to the uh, NBA postseason. And we're going to do a very efficient uh, run-through of the NBA postseason. The Western Conference took a little bit more than I... Took a little bit longer than I would have liked. But again, that's on me. It's literally only me here, so I have no one to blame but myself. Um, we had the near-catastrophe useless story at the top of the show. Again, that's on me. So we're going to do a quick rundown, a very quick rundown of the NBA playoffs. Now, number one, and we'll start in the East because, again, it's very easy. Um, one and eight, Sixers Magic. On to the next round. You can take a guess who I'm picking there. Uh, and then number two, we have the two and seven matchup. Who's that? The Bucks and the Pistons. I think it'll let's let's make it real easy here. I think the East will go chalk. I think there's I don't think there's gonna be any upsets in the first round. The Sixers should take care of the Magic. The Bucks should take care of the Pistons, the Pacers, and the Celtics. That one should be tough. Maybe a six, seven game series. Probably giving the uh the edge to uh the Indiana Pacers there. And then the Nets and the Heat. Hmm, that's pretty tough. That's actually a really interesting series. Um, I would take the Nets in that series only because I like the Nets so much. And we're projecting right now all the way up until May. It's October now. I guess I would take the Nets. If you put a gun to my head right now, I think I would take the Nets um, in, I don't know, six, seven games. Because, again, you got to think, we don't even know if this is going to work. And by this, I mean the Miami Heat. Like I said, this is the last, last chance for Jimmy Butler to prove he's a franchise cornerstone. I think it will work, but that's not a guarantee with Jimmy Butler. Literally anything can happen. Anything can happen with Jimmy Butler. Um, so I will take uh, the Brooklyn Nets in that one. Then you have one and four Nets, Sixers. I think the Sixers will be a little bit too deep um, for the Nets. I think that's when you'll start to see the Nets really missing Kevin Durant. And then we'll look on to next year, and the Nets will be, I mean, they'll have a lot to build off of going into the second round and then losing to the Sixers, I feel. Uh, and then what do we have? Two and three. That is the Bucks, the Pacers. Um, actually, give me the Pacers in this one. I think I'll take the Pacers over the Bucks uh, in six games. I think the depth of Indiana is going to kind of out, uh, overrun Milwaukee at some point. And I don't think I'm not off of Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I do think, like I said earlier, there's going to be a regression. I don't think he's going to be as dominant this season as he was last year and I think towards the end of the postseason for the Buck I think teams started to figure out Giannis a little bit you're talking about going up 2-0 against the Raptors and then losing four straight I think I think he got exposed in that series a little bit and Indiana is going to be a very well-rounded team a team that's going to be able to adapt it's not going to play any one way but play every kind of way they're going to be able to adapt two teams I'll take Indiana over Milwaukee actually in the Eastern Conference semifinals now the Eastern Conference finals 76ers and the Indiana Pacers this is the best possible draw for the Philadelphia 76ers they don't have to go up against Kawhi Giannis that's really the only other superstar in the East it's the only other other monster uh, in the East for the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm actually going to take them to go to the NBA Finals this season, which may upset people again because no one likes Ben Simmons. 
I think the Sixers are going to really turn a corner this year, and they're going to be in the upper echelon of teams in the NBA. I like them to win the East and go to the NBA Finals. I picked them to win. Actually, I picked them to go to the conference or the final, excuse me, I believe two years ago. Didn't work. And then last year, I picked them to get to the conference finals. Didn't work. Or did I forget? Where did the Raptors beat the Sixers? Was that in the Eastern Conference Finals? I cannot remember. But I do remember they lost to the Raptors. And they very close, very close series. It went to game seven. It went to that, that iconic shot from Kawhi Leonard. They're a bounce away. And it was in the conference finals from going to the NBA finals. So I don't, uh, or no, it wasn't the same. I can't remember. I can't remember if, they, if the Raptors beat Philly first and then the Bucks, or vice versa, but they could have beaten the Raptors is what I'm trying to say. And then therefore could potentially have won the championship last year. So, I mean, I'm really all in, excuse me, that was my laptop. Your phone was not ringing. That was my uh, laptop. I normally have the sound off, but because it got shut off, it like resets all its settings. So uh, your phone is, is working fine. You didn't get a text. I'll take the Sixers going to the NBA Finals. Now, in the West, things are going to get a little bit tricky here and a little bit disappointing, and you'll see why. 1-8, and eight, Clippers and Kings. Guess who I'm picking in that one? Number uh, The second one, 2-7, and seven, Blazers and Warriors. How unfortunate. This is where I say things are getting disappointing because the Blazers, they have this fantastic year. Damian Lillard, MVP candidate. And I'm just going to go and say it. I'm, I am going to take it to the bank. Damian Lillard is my pick for MVP if they get this far in the number two seed. Um, and then they run into the Warriors, who will have brought back Klay Thompson. I mean, what terrible luck this franchise has. You finally get into the top three seeding in the West. It looks like this is your opportunity to make a run at the title, potentially, for the, the, the Blazers. And you still manage to get the Warriors in the first round. I will take the Warriors over the Blazers uh, in the first round. Potentially a seven-game series because, again, they're not not—they're missing Kevin Durant. They're not nearly as dominant. But at this point, they will have Steph and Clay, And I do think that pays dividends. I'm actually going to take the Warriors in the first round. The Blazers, another heartbreaking first-round exit. Disappointing because by this point, we're all going to have be all in on, da- on Damian Lillard, and then we're going to have to watch them implode again. Around. I'm not going to say Damian Lillard's going to implode uh, in the playoffs, but everyone around him tends to implode um, come May and June. Three and six, what do we have here? We have the Jazz and the Nuggets. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Jazz in this one because they will, I mean, by this point, they will have established themselves as the better team uh, and again, this isn't March Madness. There really aren't any crazy upsets uh, in, in the playoffs. I'm not going. I know it seems like I'm just going chalk, and I'm making really lazy picks. But it, you rarely see upsets uh, in the NBA playoffs unless it's like a four and a five, really. I mean, and that's it. And then I have an upset with Indiana over Milwaukee, but that's in the second round. That doesn't really count. Um, I'll take the Jazz in that one. We did um, three and seven. Now four and five. Rockets, Lakers, totally not in on the Rockets. I am 110% against Houston right now. I, not that I want them to lose, 
but I don't see it working, especially in this matchup. If you're Russell Westbrook, the one team you don't want to, or the two teams you don't want to face are the Jazz because of Gobert and the Lakers because of Anthony Davis. Specifically, Anthony Davis going saying he wants to be Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to take a lot of pride, as he normally does, in protecting the rim. And then you have JaVale, and then behind them you have Dwight Howard, who, all memes aside, had a pretty solid season last year. He had a really good year, and he's going to have a reduced role and reduced responsibility, which may be a good thing for Dwight Howard at this stage in his career. I'm taking the Lakers in five games in the first round. I don't, I don't see how this works at all for um, the Houston Rockets. And now, where are we? I think that's it. I think we did all of them, right? Clippers, Blazers, yeah, we sure did. Okay, so there is your um, first round. Now on to the second round. And here's where things get disappointing again. You get the Clippers and the Lakers. Everyone's premier matchup, the one series everyone wants to see in the semifinals. The Lakers have to get on the opposite end of the bracket. If the Lakers can get the three seed or potentially the two seed, this would be a, the perfect scenario for the league because you want you want them to meet in the comp. You want them to meet as late as possible, and they're not going to be able to play each other in the finals, obviously. So the next best thing is the conference finals. So in this specific scenario, it's disappointing that we're going to see the Lakers and the Clippers in the semis. It's going to feel like it's a little bit too early. Like this, you're getting your steak and then a salad. It doesn't work like that. You want your salad first and then give me the steak. Um, we're getting the steak first. Still good, but it's not. I mean, kind of anticlimactic after when you're following that steak with a Caesar salad. Not not great. Uh, I'll take the Clippers in this series. I, I, I again, this is tough for me because I do like. It's hard because I, I'm not buying into the preseason hype of the Lakers. Anthony Davis looks really good on the court. He looks fantastic. He looks really, really good out there with LeBron. But again, it's preseason. I'm trying so hard not to buy into the preseason hype. I'm going to take the Clippers. I've said it. Excuse me. Over the course of the summer, I think they're the better team than the Lakers. I think they're a deeper team than the Lakers. Um, The top of the Clippers and the Lakers is pretty even. But then when you start to get into the bench and the depth, that's when the Lakers start to, to, excuse me, the Clippers really start to separate themselves. I will take the Clippers in the semifinals of the Western Conference. And then on the other side, who do we have? Oh, we have the Warriors and the Jazz. I will actually take the Jazz over the Warriors in the semifinals uh, in that series. I think I think the, the course of the regular season will start to take its toll on the Warriors as a whole. We'll probably get a game six clay because he'll be fresh. He'll, he'll have only have played a few months in the regular season, but I think the Jazz will be just a little bit deeper, a little bit younger, and a little bit fresher than the Warriors is maybe the beginning of the end for that franchise. And in the, the Western Conference, you have what is now the Clippers uh, and the Jazz, kind of anticlimactic in the Western Conference. Again, I will take the Clippers pretty handedly um, over the, a little bit too much. I like the Jazz a lot. They will make the Western Conference Finals, but the Clippers are just going to be, they're just going to be too much. And I think that you could say that for a lot of teams going up against the L.A. Clippers, they're just going to be a little bit too much for teams, I feel, um, over the course of the season and over the course of the postseason. So now we have the two number one seeds. It's been somewhat chalky this postseason. You have the Clippers and you have the 76ers in the NBA Finals. I almost said Conference Finals. In the NBA Finals, you have the number one seeded 76ers against the number one seeded LA Clippers. 
The Clippers have run away with the entire regular season. They have the best record in the NBA. They've run through the Western Conference Finals, which is by far the superior conference. Why in the world would they not be the favorites to win the NBA Finals? And I took this method going into the MLB postseason, picked the Dodgers to win the World Series. How did that work out? And I'm going to apply the same logic naturally to the NBA, which may not be the smartest thing to do, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to pick the Clippers to win the, comp- the NBA Finals. I'm actually going to take the Philadelphia 76ers. By this point, you may have figured out that I am completely joking. <laughs> I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. The Clippers are the best team in the NBA. They're going to win the NBA Finals. That's usually how it works. The best team in the league tends to win the championship. Hashtag analysis. You have that bench of the Clippers. And the Sixers also have a, is going to have a very deep bench as well, but the Clippers have the best bench in the league. And I know it's not a very exciting pick to take the Clippers because it's everyone's preseason favorite. But they're the favorite for a reason. They've done a phenomenal job of, uh, of creating a very deep roster and then assembling maybe the two best defensive wing players in the league in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. People are forgetting they have both of them, not just one, but both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, it's going to be, it's hard for me to see that the Sixers scoring on them enough in, during the series, especially with, you know, Joel Embiid. Now, Joel Embiid will probably have a big series because the Clippers do not have a dominant big, nowhere nearly as, as nearly as dominant as uh, Joel Embiid. But I would, I would argue the Sixers do not have a, a wing or a score um, on the perimeter nearly as dominant as either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, they will be the difference. I think it'll be a six-game series. I think Joel Embiid will really have a big series in this matchup. Clippers, Sixers, because there is, and then Al Horford as well, um, because the Clippers are not going to have the bigs to compete um, with the Sixers. But here's the thing: they will have already have gone through the tri- uh, the trial of fire against the Lakers with Anthony Davis and Javale McGee. So I think they will be equipped to handle. They'll have a game plan to handle the bigs of the Sixers just enough. And I'll take the Clippers to win the NBA Finals. It'd be the 2020 Finals as well. I was going to say the 2019, but I had to catch myself. It's going to be the 2020 NBA Finals. It sounds like the future, and it's only a few months away. Um, That is going to take us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you for sticking by. I know it was was a a longer episode because we had a lot of stuff to cover. And there's going to be a string of these longer episodes coming up because, again, we're just starting the regular season in the NBA. We still have... Uh, postseason baseball that we're going to touch on here and there uh, we have uh, regular season football obviously college and NFL so things are going to get start to get really fun over the course of the next few months I appreciate you guys stopping by and sticking around make sure you uh, share with your friends it is uh, greatly appreciated if you share the podcast enjoy the games this week enjoy the opening tip off next Wednesday uh, in the NBA and then we'll react to that uh, the following Thursday uh, I will talk to you next week